Hello, everyone, and welcome to the debut episode of Midweek Metagame. I'm Patrick Robertson, aka GetSmart, joined by my regular co-host, Gabrielle Nassif. I'm confused by the debut episode, but it could be first, could be 127. No one really knows. What's yep. up? No What's up, everyone? Well, well, well. As you can clearly see, Harry is not here today. He's finishing off his exams. He assures us he'll be uh, free from the burden of university work soon enough and we'll be rejoining the cast. Uh, but for the meantime, it's just Gab and I holding down the fort. Today, we're going to be talking about modern, pioneer, a little bit of standard at the end because Gab's preparing for the uh, upcoming set championships. We're going to try and focus as much as we can on the impact of new cards from Streets of New Capenna on the, these formats. And just talk a bit about what we've been doing, go over challenge results as the usual and standard fare. Before we get into everything, it's time to shill. Cardmarket.com, cardmarket slash EU. Excellent place to go and spend your money on card paraphernalia. You can buy, sell cards there, sleeves, deck boxes, playmats, whatever you want. As Harry would say, it's a great deal. And I, I would, and I, we, all, we all think they're a great, fantastic sponsor of the podcast and are putting out awesome YouTube content as well at the moment. Um, there's a bunch of live action, um, modern and modern gameplay videos from Gab and Harry and a bunch of other pro, uh, magic pros over the, uh, that came out over the last couple of weeks. And you should go to their YouTube channel as well and hit them up, give them a like and subscribe there as well to support the good work they're doing there. Um, but if you don't feel like doing any of that, then you can give us money directly at patreon.com slash midweek metagame and get involved in uh, the Discord. And Harry assures me he's actually revamping the um, the Patreon rewards, so stay tuned to this this spot to find out more. Anyway, enough of that. Magic is fun. I've been playing a bunch of Modern. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of Pioneer as well, trying out new things from Streets of New Capanna. Um, but... We should probably start at the at the top of the week. Gab, you played the modern challenges. How did it go? How many times did you play against Burn? I actually dodged Burn, but maybe that's because I was not playing four color Omnath. Well, I was playing four color Omnath, but the Tameshi Bloom version, the combo version, had a lackluster four and three record. I think um, deck was fine. I played fine. I don't even remember really what happened, but nothing super exciting. So this is the week where you said you put your money where your mouth is and, and finally play this in the challenge when you've been kind of just running it through leagues through the week. So kind of not not the most flashy result, but do, yeah. you, do you still feel like the deck is kind of a, a bit of a meme or is it or, or is it genuinely something you want to be doing in, in, in modern? Definitely not a meme. I actually played it once to a six and two uh, finish in the, in the challenge and my league results have been really, really strong. I got cold feet like two weeks ago, but uh, not not this time, you know. Uh, so the deck is good. I don't know if it's tier one, tier one point five, but it's it's good deck. It's fun to play. Uh, I did uh, I did go with the no finale of devastation version. I'm not sure if we touched about that uh, last week. Yeah, but basically... we talked about it extensively, but it's a uh, oh, it's okay. that or the or, or fleeting footfalls are the kind of options you you summed up. And I, and I was kind of convinced by your arguments last week. Yeah, the fleeting footfalls you can get it out of the graveyard with Tameshi in the middle of comboing. It's a, it's it's a nice little bit of a, a of deck tuning there. Yeah, I think the card's called Creator Footfalls, but anyway, yeah, again, no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, just. Looking at the results, I guess, I was looking for cards from New Capena and I didn't find many at all. Besides a few Triumphs, the only quote-unquote real card is the new Death Shadow. And the reason people are playing that card is because it has a casting cost of 15 mana. And that's good when you're playing the Calibrated Blast deck, which is a combo deck. Calibrated Blast is a red and two instant you reveal the top cards of your library until you reveal a, a non-man card and you deal as much damage as the casting cost it also has a flashback of two red and three so it's a really good erratic explosion which i think was an invasion card it was a red into sorcery and did the same thing i think even back in the day already people played erratic explosion and draco or yeah i think erratic explosions from from onslaught but onslaught, um yeah yeah but yeah draco explosion was a uh... A bit of a meme deck back in back in old extended, I think. Yeah, the deck was never very good, but that deck's actually saw that I played against it on the on the ladder. I was gonna say in the leagues, and it's impressive. They play um, the the land 
the lamb thingy Draco. They have a lot of lands. They have Mishra's Factory, which is pretty cool. They have a, a bunch of lands that help them deal the last, you know, five, six points of damage because you can deal hopefully 15, either revealing Emrakul. Now you get to reveal the Shadow. There's the Worm, two to 16 mana Worm. And, you know, obviously it's modern, so sometimes people just deal themselves the, the few points of damage, especially if they know, don't know what they're up to or what yeah. they're up against. I, I once played against this deck uh, you know, a, a few months ago, and they cast it, they calibrated Blast, and I was like, well, you know, I want 20 life. <laughs> this is not that bad. And then they just, like, played a bunch of, like, ramming up ruins and, like, scorching deserts, and I was like, oh, I can't possibly win. Yeah. No, the... Yeah, I, actually, it's kind of a scary deck, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, the deck is, is good. It. You can kind of hate it. You know, cards like Meddling Mage, Graveyard 8 is somewhat effective because they play the Retrace Cascade card that's called Froze of Chaos. The card itself has has flashback, but it's it's a, it's a good deck. And I think it was Crusher Bob who... who no, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Bob 49, right? Bob 49 came in 11th, yeah. was it? And... I think it made top eight on on Sunday, so some pretty strong results for that deck. Yeah, uh, avid listeners of this uh, this debut podcast may remember Bob Forty Nine from uh, Belcher fame. Uh, kind of uh, had had a, had a string of success a few months ago with playing playing Goblin Char Belcher in in modern, and uh, clearly loves his glass cannon combo decks. Yeah, yeah, not exactly my style of magic, but. No, no, no mine my, my neither. But this deck has a lot of redundancy in it. I mean, between the Throws of Chaos, the Cascade into, in, into Calibrated Blast, and the four copies of Calibrated Blast, and it's flashbacks. Like, you you really kind of mulligan quite aggressively. And, you know, now there's another 15 to hit as well. Yeah, maybe just getting, you know, more and more consistency to this kind of, you know, you know to the one, the one trick deck, really. Yeah. So yeah, not so much street to new Capena in the in the challenge top eights uh, this week. This week, right? Uh, just a bunch of triumphs. But yeah, a lot of different flavors of Omnath. Uh, most of the time was Cole Alademri Skull, some elemental versions, um, some Yogmoss, kind of the usual suspects outside of the calibrated blast decks. Um, there's, I guess, Osmanos Gune, who's a super old school. Uh, Magic player, Magic Online player from from Turkey who uh, made top four was the red black evoke deck, just grief and fury and you know the the good red black cards was was that uh, that angle of the uh, the evoke angle, you know a little living in, a little hammer, either mono white or blue white. I was I was thinking just that the blue white version was much better, but I think uh, it, it was this time Crusher Bob who. Top eight, eight on Saturday and top sixteens on Sunday was the, the mono white version. So not not a hammer time expert, but it looks like you can still play uh, the non blue version and do well. Yeah, I don't have a good feel for what the you know what the ins and outs of mono white versus blue blue white are, but I, I suppose you know, just thinking thinking off the top of my head, the blue splash is probably better suited if you're expecting meta games where you're going to be casting where, where you think spell pierce is particularly good. So if your opponents are playing, say. Merktide, you know, blue red Merktide, or they're playing blue white control. You might want access to cheap interaction like that. Whereas if your opponent's maybe beating you down, um, you want that consistency from your mono white mana base. That's that. That's why you kind of shade the blue, the blue splash. Yeah, I, uh... I'm not even sure about the vulnerability of the cards like Blood Moon as well. That might be another an, another thing because even these four color decks seem to play like Magus of the Moon and Blood Moon at the moment. Yeah, you can tutor for it. It's it's not a bad card to tutor for. Yeah. So, I mean, I think last week on the cast, we were talking a lot about uh, how we thought four color Yorion maybe wasn't quite as good as wasn't quite as good as uh, it had been in, in in the format previously. And but we couldn't really nail down why that was. Turns out we're just big fools, and you know, it's just results oriented. But uh, it won both challenges, I believe. Yeah, it won both challenges. Add a bunch of other finishes in the top eight. People playing some Itobius Prol, some Osub Nissa. Kind of, it feels like it doesn't matter that at much. Some people are playing Dedicated Elemental. Some people are just playing Risen Reef with the regular Elementals. Not Nothing too crazy. It's just, uh, it doesn't seem like you can go too, too wrong. As long as you don't get paired against Burn, I guess. 
Yeah. So, so business as usual, largely in these in these top eights. It's a bit disappointing when you're kind of thinking about the impact of this new like three color set. Like, I think I think going into it, we didn't have a huge amount of cards that we had earmarked for success in the format, but it would have been exciting to see something kind of come out of the woodwork early on. But that's not really, you know, obviously it's it's Thursday when we're recording this, and a, a lot's been going on since the challenges over 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 the weekend. I mean, Gab, you've been playing a little bit of. Uh, Esper Reanimator, is that right? Yeah, I played one league. I felt like Esper Reanimator might be the deck that improved uh, the most was New Capenna. It's not a ton, but you know, just a draw discard spell, Tainted Indulgence um, could, can make a, a decent difference. So that's what I recorded my, my league for CIB was this week. I took Canister's List, which is kind of a hybrid list. He's playing <clears throat> Evoke with Solitude and Grief. And some ephemerates, but not like full committed because he only has one Malakure of Rebirth. He's playing Archon and Persist, but he's not playing Unmarked Grave. He's just getting Archon in the yard was the new Tainted Indulgence, as well as a couple copies of the Blue-White Draw Discard, the Mending. Or yeah. Thoughtseize. It was funny, actually. I had, a, I had a game where I'm on the play. They have Giganta as a companion. So I'm like, okay, it's probably Tron. So I go... Thoughtseize myself, discard my Archon with the turn to persist. I figure it'd be easy game. And then I have a moment of, of panic as they play a turn one Blood Crypt on tap. And I'm like, oh my God, they're just going to Inquisition me. And now my hand's just absolutely un unplayable. But somehow they didn't have the discard spell and I was able to win with turn two, turn two Archon. Um, yeah, all right. So this is... So, but no copies of the Entomb card. I'm trying to remember the name of unmarked it. It's like grave. two mana, two mana Entomb. Un, unmarked Grave, is did you say? So no copies, of, no copies of that card. I've seen various different builds of this deck from Canister. It seems like his kind of theme of the week is to mean to kind of tweak this deck and kind of figure out new ways to build it. Uh, one, one, and it's probably a reason, reasonable segue into another card from the new set that I wanted to talk about a, a, a bit about, which is Ledger Shredder. Uh, Ledger Shredder is you know a new creature from. Uh, the latest set it's one in the blue for a one three flyer and it has whenever you're whenever any player casts their second spell for a turn you connive which means that you draw and discard and if you discard a, a non-land card then you put a plus one plus one counter on, on on the creature and this card's kind of like you know maybe it's kind of like the sweetheart of twitter at the moment really it's kind of like everyone's talking about it the price shot up on magic online but i've seen versions of this reanimated deck that play that as well you know in conjunction with the stuff like you know you got a bunch of discard spells and like just various different like you know, cheap cantrips and stuff like that. It seems like a pretty effective way of getting another card into you get dis another discard outlet that also lets you pivot into a kind of like more interesting plan plan B where you just you know a couple of discard spells, bit of removal here and there, clock them. Maybe you got do you have access to counter spell on that deck? I can't remember. He didn't, which I think you could play because I thought that would be kind of the sweet part of tainted indulgence is that it you know it's just instant speed, so you get to to keep mana up and either counter or draw this card, but not in Canister's version. So not not in the version that you played in your in your video, at least. I feel like I might have seen it in his in his latest version, but maybe we just bring it back to Tainted Indulgence for a little bit. I actually played a little bit of that card in Pioneer. I put I added it to Esper Grease Fang and I played a, a league with that and you know mixed results. I went three two, but it felt like it was it was one of the better cards to draw and it did you know do exactly what we were describing just 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 then which is allow you to just pass a turn with mana up, be reactive. Uh, my deck had you know, a, side, a sideboard plan that brought in a couple of Wandering Emperors and a few counter spells, and I played so nicely in that role where suddenly you had a discard outlet that wasn't just straight-up card disadvantage like Faithless Looting style effects tend to be. Is it possible to get to the five-card types, uh, mana cost types in your graveyard relatively trivially in, in Modern? I got there once or twice in the league, but it's kind of tough, especially after sideboard. The ledger idea is a good idea. It sounds sounds good. I'm assuming maybe they were playing Ur uh, Mishra's Bubble to to go to get Connive on turn two. I certainly didn't see Mishra's Bubble in 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 the list that Canister posted recently, but it definitely makes a lot of sense on paper to me. You know, it's you know free way of getting your second spell. Like getting that getting that second spell on turn two is is a real big deal. Once you, you know, pay a legend straight up, cast Mistress Bauble, get the trigger and connive. That's great value. Yeah, bubble's also good in this deck because you don't have that many one drops, so it goes up in value because you don't have to 
decide if you want to bubble yourself and you know if you have a good card then you can't fetch so you can't play your one drop maybe but this deck what a place thoughts is um, yeah i don't know the, the leagues i i did okay in the league but i wasn't super convinced i felt like i was never drawing very well uh i do like no unmarked grave though because after sideboard is just so hard to to bank on reanimating the archon and i was pretty much every round boarding down to to Archon. I still leaving in three or four persists just because they can be good just on a solitude or a grief. But even then I think I was trimming a bit. A bit like you might sideboard in historic sometimes with Phoenix. If you know they have a ton of graveyard hate, you can maybe start trimming a Phoenixes and some faithless lootings. So a bit of the same here. And it it got me thinking, you know, just maybe have a the deck did have kind of a coherent sideboard plan after sideboard because you had pretty versatile cards. I had a Kaito Shitsuki, which was pretty good for me. I had a Jace, had some Vindicates, um, a few other cards. I don't remember exactly what explosives and whatnot. Dreadsdown was good for me. But um, yeah, I think Kaito might be better than Jace. Uh, I was, I was you know, watching Canister stream just before playing the league to, to get his list and he was going to try, I actually suggested Kaito and he was going to try two and I went one and one split, but I think maybe Kaito is just better in this deck. Right. I, I played Kaito in my pot, in my Pioneer League and it was excellent. I mm -hmm. was incredibly impressed with that card. I haven't cast it yet, so I haven't been playing any arena, so I had no real excuse to cast it up until this point. And yeah, that card's great. Absolutely great. Both, both the starting modes and then just phasing out, just that it's hard to it's hard to kind of grasp on paper how just how powerful that is to just be able to put your planeswalk into play and just know that it's not getting attacked to death on yeah. that turn so you're always going to be untapped and protected that's just that's really 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 powerful card and a really impressive card i honestly think that like between over this week watching people put obnixilus into play and then having seen a, a few other people playing kaito and playing it myself i'm wondering if kaito is actually the better three mana planeswalker at the moment and maybe when it's standard time, we can kind of get into that in a little bit more detail. But I was just really, really impressed with Kaito. And it fits that kind of, that plan of this Esper deck really quite well in the sense that Modern's so full of powerful hate cards at the moment that, and, and always will be, that it's really hard to rely on kind of hardcore graveyard synergy deck that isn't, you know, that isn't something like dredge or, or whatever that can't transition out but it's really good to have a transition game plan in these kind of combo decks and it's perfectly set up color wise to just board into a deck that's kind of you know interaction removal better you know a few, few counter spells and then just some kind of delver style threat and you know a combination of kaitos maybe ledger shredder as well maybe play monastery mentor or something like that and just trimming on that reanimation package post board games means you get the most out of it in game one when your opponent doesn't really see it coming and you know don't, can't really keep a hand knowing with, with with your deck in mind explicitly and then post board you just mix it up on them and you seem like you transition really well and honestly i feel like legislator would you know tie all that together really well actually yeah because the deck's already pretty decent at grinding game one you know you've got the the grief ephemerate uh package and it, it's kind of nice because it's even though you it's hard to reanimate the archon after sideboard there's multiple games that just got grindy. You have Maldrifter, so once you get that going, you can easily make your land drops. And I, it was just nice to throw an Archon and cast it for eight mana. A couple of games had a, a kind of absurd game against Murktide where, um, you know, I ended up going down to one to cast my Archon, and they didn't have the counter spell, and that was it. So I was I was I was not super impressed with the way I won the games. It felt like a little pushy, but I also didn't feel like I got the, the, the I, I think I never got turn one, or maybe once I got the turn one grief ephemerate draw. I was wondering if maybe you could play a Liliana of the Veil. I was even thinking about Gifts Ungiven, playing a more like mid-range version. So it, it's a cool shell and there's, there's a ton you can tweak. There's a ton you can try and that might, that might be my project when I get back to modern after the set championship. Yeah, honestly, I would love to. I would love to like watch and hear about the 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 evolution of that deck because it's right up my alley in terms of things that I generally like gravitate towards. You know, this kind of like hybrid combo control deck is is really my jam. 
Um, it'd be interesting to see what you know you and maybe others come up with over the over the next little while. So, I actually uh, I played another deck that was uh, pretty pretty heavily influenced by you know new cards from uh, from Streets of New Capenna, and I also had an equally medium experience with it where I wasn't really convinced that I was doing I was winning games particularly uh, effectively. But I was playing uh, the new like Birthing Pod combo. So this is uh, where you have Planesbound Accomplice. I'm going to call it Planesbound Accomplice. It's a sneak attack for Planeswalkers. It's a 1-3 for a red and two colors. It's from Modern Horizons 2. And for one red, you can have one red activated ability. Put a Planeswalker from your hand into play and sacrifice at the end of turn. So with Vivian from the new set, Vivian on the Wild Hunt or whatever it's called, I, I don't know what it is, it's a six mana, six mana uh, Vivian, but it's plus one is essentially sacrifice a creature, go get, and, and do the birthing pod thing. So you go search a library for a creature with a mana cost one higher and put it into play. And the combo is Vivian on the hunt. Thank you very much, chat. Yep. So you activate your Planesbound Accomplice, put Vivian into play, sacrifice Planesbound Accomplice by ticking up Vivian, go and get a four drop. So you get Felidar Guardian. Felidar Guardian blinks Vivian, comes back into play, you activate it again. You sacrifice Felidar Guardian, you get Karmic Guide. Karmic Guide returns Felidar Guardian. You blink Vivian again. Vivian sacrifices Karmic... Uh, Vivian sacrifices uh, Felidar Guardian. You get Kiki-Jiki. Kiki-Jiki copies Karmic Guide. You return Felidar Guardian back into play, blink Kiki-Jiki, and then you have Kiki-Jiki, Felidar Guardian, and you make infinite tokens and kill them. So it's... It's a really relatively convoluted thing to explain, but it's a... It's not that it's not that difficult, and it doesn't cost a huge amount of deck building slots, and it kills on turn four while only having to cast a single card. You know, you obviously have to have Vivian in hand as well, but you know, it's ostensibly a pretty simple and clean turn four kill. Um, I have seen it in a number of different shells. The shell that I played was a little bit unconventional, but I'll talk about the kind of one I've seen a little bit more. People have been playing it in four-color Yorion deck, so, you know, having as, as compact a package as they possibly can, and just having this combo kill in the four-color deck alongside all the usual suspects like Teferi's, Ren and Sixes, uh, Abundant Growth, Solitudes, all, all this sort of stuff, like Expressive Iteration. So all the good cards, and then this combo kill on the side, rather than, you know, leaning on perhaps, like, more, kind of, like, general reactive cards. You just have this proactive combo plan, and I've seen people like Sp Spider Space, uh, tuning this deck up, I played against it in, in a league myself, and my opponent had Sahili Rai, and so they had kind of like two of the two versions of the of the Splinter Twin style combos. And honestly, it feels like maybe Modern's in this sort of spot where having access to that is this this sort of combo is good for a little bit. Don't think there's a huge number of lightning bolts in the format at the moment, um, and so you know your plane's bound accomplice doesn't necessarily die that that quickly and. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't know where people haven't been prepared for this sort of combo for a little while, especially out of decks that are kind of good attrition decks as well. So, have you have you like seen very much of this deck, or what? What is your like general opinion on it? Yeah, no, I haven't seen it. I was looking at the list. I was wondering what you do if you draw Karmic Guide or Kiki Jiki. There's not even a Jace in that list to to shuffle stuff that can can Vivian get cards from your hand too or is it just in your deck do you know no it's just it's just from your deck so you are kind of screwed if you draw it i guess the theory is that you have 80 cards and only one copy of all your combo bits so it's less likely that you would draw it than you know than if you're in a 60 card version and you can also cast it in this deck as well so you can kind of do it the hard way in the four color deck where you with with so a, a you can draw your combo pieces and play them to kind of fill in the gaps but by, by the same token, you can also just hardcast Vivian and sacrifice any three drop that you have. Yeah. Obviously, the combo pieces are decent, except for you do have Planebound Accomplice, which is pretty big brick without Vivian. And Yeah, Planebound Accomplice is not a, not a card without, without Vivian, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. It seems like, I mean, the combo is easy to disrupt, right? It just, the Lightning Bolt is good enough, no? Only if, you, only if that's your only, your only three drop creature. Vivian doesn't dictate that you like target a creature to sacrifice. You just have to sacrifice a creature when the ability resolves. So if you have two threes in play, they they have to have two lightning bolts, I guess. What about just waiting till they get Kiki Jiki? You can also just do that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Wait, these people I mean, are winning because maybe they broke it because they figure out that they're playing Arbor Elf and Osa Nissa and Utopia Scroll in Omnath, and maybe that's great. And maybe the combo is actually like kind of mediocre, but. 
that that there may very well be it. So yeah, these like the Arbor Elf and Utopia Sprawl acceleration package isn't particularly common at the moment. And, and I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean six mana Vivian is powerful card to me. It's just like legit in the way modern plays out. It's I don't know. My my response to your your your, your question about what if they just line up all kiki jiki, but at that at that point you'll have so you have a Felidar Guardian and a um no you don't have, you don't have Felidar Guardian Felidar Guardian but you have a Karmic Guide and you have um Vivian in play and Vivian will stay in play as well because it's been blinked. Oh, okay, that's that's a good point actually. I was thinking because yeah, that turn ends, it broke your combo and. Yeah, but so it, it still generates value if you let it get to that point. Yeah. But a bolt but, but, is still potentially. I mean, if if they go account plays pay to red, and you just go bolted in response. I mean, they're unlikely to have another free drop in play. So. Yeah, yeah. But, but at that point, you're not you're not compelled to put the planes work into play either. And I'm I'm kind of skeptical. I feel like maybe people are just winning because of the rest of the deck. It could just be a surprise. So. Let me let me talk about the version that I played. So I I found a list from someone whose name completely escaped me when I went back to try and find it on Twitter, who said they forwarded a forwarded a, a uh, prelim with with a version of this deck which was just straight red black, or maybe it had it had a, a basic white splash, but there were more like disruption and fair game plan along alongside the combo. So they for it was like ragabands, thought seizers. Season pyromancers, and then you know Planesbound accomplice and Vivians, along with griefs and furies, as well as um, what was the other card? I was thinking, a profane tutor, so four profane tutor in the deck. So that was the only real kind of like combo specific card that they had in there outside of the combo itself. But that was an interesting that that shell kind of tickled my fancy, and I built that and played it through a league. Again, I had medi- mediocre results where I wasn't convinced that. The combo was necessarily the thing that was doing doing well for me, but I won the game in a number of different ways. I I won with straight up combo on turn four. I won with the kind of really nice curves of like you know, thought season to suspend profane tutor into season pyromancer, cycle away some cards, draw one half of my combo, and then profane tutor for the other half, while also putting pressure on my opponent. Like I I had games where I opened on Ragavan and that forced some interaction, and then I you know found my way to found my way to kill. I just won like long attritiony games as well with with grief grief and fury and so i don't know sure if that sort of shell has 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 much legs in the, the, the downside of that version is that when you draw your combo pieces they really are just dead it's really hard to cast any white spells you have access to one uh mardu triome and you know a sacred foundry so you can in theory cast a uh, fail guardian and and sahili uh, not sahili and um and Karmic Guide, but you can't really do much else beyond that. Uh, so no kind of like casting Vivian for value in that deck. But I was also impressed by the kind of the uh, the kind of mixed game plan. So like the combo itself is pretty bad, I think. Like if you just have like it feels a lot like uh, playing like Show and Tell and Legacy, where you just draw a bunch of a handful of like Emeralds and Gristle Brands that don't do anything. Like if you don't if you draw um you know Planesbound Accomplice without Vivian or Vivian without Planesbound Accomplice, they're both kind of blank cards, but. There's there's just a lot of different ways you can slam that shell into um you you can you can slam the combo into various different shells. Uh, chat makes an, a really very reasonable point that you can actually cast Vivian off uh, Ragavan treasures, and you know it actually reminds me that I did do that in one game, but uh, I I don't think it mattered. Um, yeah, so this is an interesting combo that's kind of cropped up. I, the thing that makes is most appealing to me about it is the fact that it's essentially a one card combo. You don't have to spend your mana on multiple different things and have it all pan out. You just have to play one thing, spend your mana, and the game is the game is over. So your opponent's kind of forced into that kind of prison that that dilemma which you used to play against Splinter Twin, where like, you know, do you just tap out here on turn three or four, or do you just sit there in fear of the combo? And I don't know. It may not amount to very much in the long run. It might just be it's not that not that good, but it might uh, in, instigate some deck building choices or deck building changes in the way people go about building things in the into the short term. Yeah, I like your last point of um, you know just being able to kill people out of nowhere. So... I mean, modern has become this kind of grindy, like you know, you're, you're eking out value here and there, but people people not necessarily just like 
always primed and ready with a removal spell outside of like you know especially if you open a card like ragaban and they just kill that like they're they're kind of prepared to kill ragaban but then games go long and like you know that's more about like resolving counter you know casting counter spells and draw spells and you know these you know like solitudes and and griefs and stuff like that than it is about you know having access to a whole bunch of terminates in your hand and so it, it's the sort of thing where i i feel like it's possible i feel like it's possible that it has that it has some merit that there's some merit to it just being like a kind of fast kill deck at the moment yeah yeah i'm not sold combo seems kind of sketch you need to not draw your one ofs but I guess, as you said, even if you have Karmic Guide or Kiki Jiki in here, and you still get to go Accomplice, Vivian, get a Guardian, Blink Vivian, get, you know, one of the two, or even maybe get a Solitude. And, um, yeah. I mean, if it is a real problem, you can start playing cards like, you know, say Fire Prophecy or, you know, Jason Mind Sculptor if you're playing Blue, or you can play Valkyrie's Awakening or whatnot. In the Black Red version, I had. I just had two copies of all my combo pieces. So when I did draw them, I just discarded the season pyromancer and just moved on with my life and just tried to, and just relied on having a second copy of my deck, but it did come up once or twice where I drew multiple copies of my combo pieces. I couldn't go. Yeah. It is nice that in this version, there was some Nissa hits everything, but eight cards, the four endings and the four, I guess 11 cards, the three other O7 Nissa, the four sprawls, the four endings. And you get to blink it with Yurion. It, it, it is true that when you play regular four-color Omnath, one of the problems is that when you don't draw a button growth in the grinding games where you kind of trade resources, it just feels like your Yurion's not impactful enough. So the fact that this deck just naturally wants to play Oath of Nissa is, is nice. And you've seen people just start playing some copies of Oath of Nissa in a regular four-color Omnath, so... No, I mean, the creature count is high enough because so many of your spells are just solitudes and furies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. All right, cool, cool, cool. Well, I think that's kind of it for Modern, right, for us this week. Yeah, that's. I just wanted to kind of talk about the things I've been doing and think, you know, new, new cards and new applications and the things I've seen. But you played, you said you played a bit of Pioneer, a bit of Esper Grease Fang. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I mean, I've described a little bit of that in general, but like I, I saw the new cards from. From, from the latest set. I, I, I see you saying the new set and then I start to say Street of New Capenna and I feel like I'm just word echoing myself and I just, I get I get caught up there. Um, yeah, so, yeah, saw some cards from the new set that I liked. Uh, I was, like, marginally impressed. I just don't think, I don't think their deck's very good, but at the same time, I did quite, you know, I did fine with it. I, I, I played against some of the, I played against only good decks, essentially. I played against, like, Winota. I played against the Mono Blue Spirits deck. I played against the Blue Red Control twice. And I played against, what was the other deck? Oh, Mono Red. And the deck was, the deck performs well. I, Tainted Indulgence is a good magic card. I think that's just kind of, and I'm, willing, I'm, I'm confident enough to say that. And I, I said before, I was really impressed by, by Kaito. And so... I do think that this latest set has got a lot, a lot to contribute to Pioneer, and we're just kind of scratching the surface of what's good there. Uh, Ledger Shredder, as a, you know, we've obviously talked about this previously, but I think that card's poised to make big impact in that format. Uh, it fits perfectly into the Phoenix shell. It's just so, so ideal in the Phoenix deck because it, it enables your kind of like nut draws in game one, and then it plays so perfectly in the kind of transition game post board where you know, like you were describing, you want to, sh you know, against graveyard hate. Yeah, you, know, you can just shave a bunch of phoenixes or or things that rely on the graveyard and just be a more kind of conventional blue red tempo deck. And this card just plays perfectly in both roles. And it grows grows out of control. And that format's also pretty short on ways to deal three damage on turn for one mana. So it's really easy to grow it to uh to get it out of like fiery impulse range and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that card's like a big player in that in that format. And it might honestly shift the way that people start having to build their reactive decks, it might be that, you know, Fatal Push is the card that you want rather than trying to stack up on a bunch of red removal. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I have seen people play it in Standard. I've been mostly playing Standard, but it's kind of hard to make work, make it work in Standard because you don't really want to play the card with counter spells because it's hard to play two spells in a turn if... You're just sitting on a bunch of counter spells, kind of the same reason why in a Phoenix deck you don't want to play too many reactive cards. You like having, you know, the cantrips, the burn spells, and 
there's just not that many great burn spells in in standard you know maybe it would be good in something like blue red um are there are there is is considered legal in standard i can't remember yeah consider it's legal but it's the only good cantrip opt isn't legal currently no so consider is the one good card you can play with the ledger but after that it's pretty narrow Mm. so maybe maybe i've seen some blue white kind of um boggles deck where you're there's the new one one uh, i think it gains double strike or has double strike one one four two so maybe in that deck uh yep that, that could be good i was actually just watching french streamer Eliot and he was he was playing that i saw him kill someone with the double strike creature but i'm assuming maybe he also has a ledger that car would make sense um yeah uh, we'll see i was going through the top eight results not a ton of new cards it was the new angel that's completely broken. I actually keep losing to stupid angels in standard. It's called Gata Fawn of Hope. And it's pretty much as pushed as it gets. It's a 2-2 flying for a white and one. It's legendary. It has vigilance as well as flying. It taps for white, but you can only spend this mana to cast an angel. And it has a passive that says each other angel you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it for each angel you already control. So if you just play it on turn two, untap and play like two angels, they're just huge already. And that card gets out of hand real, real fast. So someone was playing a kind of a cheesy deck, the mono white, uh, I guess white green company, but it had the the book of exalted deeds was, uh, was Mutavolt. But I guess the book also does something with angels. It, it kind of like plays both ways in that deck. Um, so that's kind of a cool build. And there was uh, the Roco Cabaret Caterer that someone was playing in Winota. So maybe people just didn't really have time to figure stuff out. There'll probably be yeah. more cards. I, I, feel, I feel like the set only came out on the Thursday or something last week, right? Yeah, yeah. That that was the the the, the cards were legal for for Magic Online, but it had only been like two or three days, so. Not even sure you can already get cards from Mana Traders that fast if you don't have like kind of an old account. There was actually a Mana Traders finale kind of series and uh, the, the cards weren't even legal for that tournament. So very yeah. literal so far. Yeah, I, I actually really like the Rocker Carabetti, Cabaretti Caterer in this in Winona deck. I mean, it's a perfect, it's a perfect shell for it really. It's like, got a, it's got good one drops that you're happy, you're happy to find. It has, you know, it has basically has good cards all the way up the curve so you you can basically set x from anywhere from one one through to four and it's great for you yeah i'm, I'm actually i'm also you can set this is this deck this is a piece of deck building tech from this from this this person so this is a i'm not even going to bother pronouncing that string of letters and consonants uh, numbers and consonants but you can also go, go x is equal to zero with rocco and go get ornithopter uh-huh oh yeah wow that's yeah so this is perfectly taked up so all the way from zero through the six in this deck i really like that actually so you can you can just slam it on three go get ornithopter and then you have an extra creature non non-human to attack with winota yeah that's on turn four cool. that's fantastic mm-hmm. that's great deck building right there yeah and ornithopter is kind of in your nut draws you know with winota why not just sprout all uh, extra yeah and just there. honestly just those games where you have to cast your three drop on on turn three or your your X spell on turn three for X is equal to zero. You just get some value out of it, and you know, that's that. That kind of goes a long way and doesn't cost you a huge amount in the long run. Yeah, I'm impressed by these these angels deck. It's kind of a thing that's been bouncing around in uh in the fringes of Pioneer for a while, and like it's also been like a relatively relatively common deck to play against on ladder in historic, if I remember correctly. I feel like a bunch of people have been played it at the last one of the last uh, set championships that featured historic as well. Or it was at least a deck, a, a well-known quantity coming into the into the weekend. But this this Giada font of hope seems like it's exactly what that deck was looking for. A two drop that's actually good, yeah. You know, rather than like youthful, youthful Valkyrie or Bishop of Wings. I mean, Bishop of Wings was a scary card from the put into play sometimes, but it didn't actually put any pressure on them. But Giada just is really puts your opponent in the in the bind. Yeah, no, these decks are they're 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 they can be good. They're usually pretty bad against control, a bit like green white, you know, Heliot Company would be. But there's some matchups where they're really sick and yeah, I've been playing some standard, losing to to Angels a lot. 
they they just get out of hand and doesn't matter what you're doing they just have massive angels uh on, on so the there's a, there's, a, there's a, a sufficient density of angels in standard that it's it's an impactful deck there yeah you have gata you have valkyrie that's still legal you've got useful valkyrie bow valkyrie you have lisa which is pretty sweet it's five drop they even get emir's call which is ah right your black white angels right yeah okay i understand yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, the, the deck is there. Some people play Esper. But, yeah, I, I'm i still lost in Sandra. I've been playing a decent bit and haven't really figured much out. I figured out that Nixilis is not the end of the world. It's a good card, but nothing too special. I keep losing to that Angels deck. I keep losing to just good old runes. Naya runes has been still impressive. Um... Esper seems to be pretty good, which is funny because at first I thought Esper was kind of the the weaker free color combo in the new set. But um, to my defense, I was talking more about the control shells, you know, people trying to play maybe cards like Voidrand and regular control. And I was like, well, this is not very good. A Mixless is broken and we're really good against you. And, you know, when you're trying to trade removal and people are just playing mixless and chariots and all that stuff is going to be tough to keep up but yeah it seems like more more a mid-range version of of esper's wing well was rafine which was actually during the, the early access i started with esper control and i was like i'm just going to play you know the good cards the creatures the planeswalkers because that's that's the good cards right not the not the removal not the not the counter spells Casting removal spells in 2022 in standard is a fool's errand. Yeah. Yeah, they finally give us a card like Voidran, and it's basically unplayable in every format. Yeah. Don't <laughs> awful. Yeah. It's like there's a like, lag. Vindicate's not even good in modern. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's been fun, honestly, exploring the different tribes. They all do cool stuff. It's a lot of mid range decks, but the synergies are cool. The... The flavor is cool. Just what the, the, the cards do is kind of fun, I feel. I, I've been enjoying it anyways. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly really excited that, that, to see this kind of focus back on standard from, you know, the set championships, uh, choosing it over, say, a format like Alchemy or whatnot. And it's just nice to kind of feel like it's a, a format that you'll just play. I could go down to the store and play in paper as well is, is, is a nice thing rather than this thing that only exists on Magic Online. And and quite frankly, the the format looks interesting as well. I, I can nothing is jumping off the page of me is like wildly, wildly disproportionately powerful. Now that the constraints are taken off the format by you know banning of Alarin's Epiphany, things are settling down a bit better. It's like you can actually grind outgrind and a seeker's chariot without worrying about getting time walked into the ground. Yeah, I just want it to be not, you know, twelve different constructed formats. I feel like three or four different constructed formats for competitive is kind of you know uh, that's what we kind of had in the past and that's I feel like that's a good good thing you know we had standard Wait, it, we had modern. even three or four i felt like it was a standard modern for so long there's block constructed usually and then yeah. when and then there was a tiny bit of legacy here in there but it's it was like yeah maybe maybe free formats and it might not seem you might be like oh free six but it's like you know plus 100 percent double the format to to yeah, it's kind of a lot. So right now we have what we have like pioneer, modern, standard, maybe historic. They added explorer. There's also kind of alchemy, and I don't know. I think it's kind of it's overall. it's a little bit too much at the moment. Yeah. I, I think maybe it's like worth explaining to listeners a little bit about why that might be. Like the difference between kind of the mentality that you have and Europe when you're when you're approaching magic and the mentality that kind of like just kind of like the the average the average person might have but i think like one of the most common questions i used to get asked when i was playing tournaments all the time was like so what formats do you play and the answer was invariably whatever they tell me to yeah and you know so you kind of flip-flop from kind of you know hey it's a sealed pdq season or a seal you know or like the new draft set coming out for you know new, new seal it's a sealed gp coming out so we're playing sealed for the next three months or whatever and then it's kind of like okay cool the next next pdq format is standard okay cool we'll just go play standard now 
what's happening in standard i have no idea and so you bounce between all these sort of formats and you know the same thing is for you like you've got set championships coming up what are they telling me to play okay i'll go play those what was the what's the change of the band list and it's completely different from like i go to fnm every weekend i have my modern deck i know it inside out i play it against like the same 25 people every week and you know we have a great time and you know that, that i but i also play you know, i have i have a pioneer deck as well that i play and you know and I saw Commander's Popular, so I play those three formats. And those are the three formats that, that, I, that I play and know everything about. So if you just kind of have like, if, if your focus is I play Magic for kind of like fun and you, you, you sit down, you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to choose like, you know, I, I play a little bit of all these six formats or whatever. It's kind of easy to kind of manage. But when you like got to go really deep, deep in on one, one or two particular formats for one given weekend or set of weekends for these tournaments, having to jump around between like, you know, six or seven different things is exhausting at least when it was just standard and modern you could kind of like know roughly where it was last time but whereas like you know who knows when you're going to go back to alchemy and what is going to be what happened in that period of time yeah and in this case it feels like maybe missile opportunity and not put uh, explorer the new arena format which is kind of pioneer light and i've had a i would have loved to see that as yeah. well honestly yeah, I've had a lot of people when I was playing a bit of historic, they're like, why are you not playing Explorer and stuff? And it seems like I actually I actually played maybe three or four matches of Explorer and just cleared some quests on Magic Arena recently. I, I went and looked through pioneer decks that I, I thought were you know reasonable and just imported them into Magic Arena just to find out like what was actually buildable or not. And a handful of things are just completely straight up ports. Like blue white, blue white Yorion control is a straight up port minus Supreme Verdict, so you just replace that with some wraps. Yeah, you can play like blue red Phoenix. You can port that straight over. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of different options from from Pioneer that that have that are just complete straight carryovers. I think the Esper Grease Fang deck that I played would probably be as be that as well, but I just don't have the wild cards for that, and I'm not going to spend them. So yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of. I broke my streak of not updating Magic Arena for a long time, and I actually have succumbed and have um, played a little bit more over the last week or so. So, wow. yeah, I, I agree with you. Miss, miss opportunity to kind of put a little bit of spotlight on Explorer. Yeah, but, I um, personally don't mind that much, honestly. I still don't think I love Pioneer. I played a bit of Explorer. It's kind of the same thing. So I'm not sure these are going to be my favorite formats anytime soon. And I kind no. of enjoy Historic, even though it's a bit stale. I, I enjoy the, the decks that are good, and the gameplay is it's kind of it's kind of good, I feel. But I don't know. I, I probably enjoy it more than most, even though I, it's not my favorite format either. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, maybe maybe some of the perks of Historic for you for you might be the fact that it is so stale, and you can, you can just rely on past knowledge and... It hasn't changed a huge amount since you last played it. Yeah. So you can focus a lot of energy on standard, which honestly seems really interesting and exciting at the moment. Yeah, that, that's kind of the, the other nice part about them not picking explorers that historic hasn't changed too much and you can focus on standard because two constructed format is, is a lot. And yeah, it's a massive, massive hurdle to do that. I mean, yeah. it felt like doing a constructed format and a draft format was really stressful, but two constructed formats require so much time and effort to, 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 really feel like you're doing a good job in yeah to be fair draft also requires a lot of time but it, it's it's oh, a bit it's more fun, fun though yeah exactly it's so much fun <laughs> yeah exactly it doesn't feel like work because it's an enjoyable experience whereas preparing for new constructed formats is just hard work i always used to um yeah i used to liken it to people to kind of you, do you do you enjoy doing your homework or do you enjoy like solving problems and yeah, I, I, I enjoy solving problems. And so, uh, and so, so draft was always the most fun thing to possibly do and constructed preparing for constructive formats was just about learning, rote learning matchups and play lines of play and what, what hands are acceptable, what hands are not acceptable. And draft was just always different every time. And so you could just, I could just throw happily do 50 drafts in preparation for a big tournament without blinking. But if you told me to play this matchup for the 50th time, like, come on, man. Like, yeah. What more am I really learning? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is kind of fun though, testing with your team and talking about stuff. And but yeah, the, the just just if you're trying to get like a big sample size of a matchup and 
that can be, feel like a chore, but I've been enjoying the, the Discord sessions and the constructed uh, more. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy sitting in on them and, and being privy to them. I, I'm always kind of impressed by how much data you guys track. Even, every time we used to prepare for things, I was just, we, we, was, we found it so hard to kind of justify tracking data when you never got a sample that was anywhere representative. But I think, it, I guess maybe it, I, I'm learning now that it so, sort of boils down to, yes, this data doesn't mean much in particular, but we look at it as a guide of like, does this match our kind of feeling about how these things are playing out? And if it does, that's great. And if it doesn't, then what is it that's, what's the, what's the, what's the thing that we're missing here? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good to keep you honest, you know, especially yeah. uh, typically like, you know, control against Phoenix and historic, it feels like. Oh, I built my control deck that way, and it should be good against Phoenix and that. But then at the end of the day, it feels like it's always like 55 45 in Phoenix favor, almost no matter how you build your control deck. So, yeah, I, I used to, when we when we did a little bit of stack keeping, I always used to have this like horrible realization, <laughs> horrible realization that every time I felt like, you know, I really should, I feel like I'm just getting unlucky in this matchup, but it just keeps happening so consistently that maybe my deck's just shit and I should just not play it. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe maybe it really is this forty five percent, and I can do better than that. All right. Should we wrap it up? Maybe. I'm happy to wrap it up here, but we All can right. put our lives on the line first. I think. Yeah. What are we gonna? Which format besides modern? Should we just do modern or? Mm. I guess we could do pioneer. I don't know enough about standard. We could do pioneer. I guess. But... I have no idea what I would pick in pioneer. Ah, let's 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 just do modern then, and you can, maybe we can be a little bit more kind of like verbose about what we what why we were choosing what what we were choosing why. Well, I also have no idea what I would pick in modern. I'll let you go first. Very good. I will play blue, red, Mercta. Uh, I think yawn. that deck is excellent. <laughs> yawn. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm essentially a one trick at this point, but you know I have a blue red a blue red tempo tempo slash control deck. I will play it. It also happens to be very very good, and I just never lose with it. So I will continue putting faith in it. I will put my life on the line with four color gifts on given reanimator. Right, I will see you in the graveyard then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that sounds absolutely hideous, but I am actually quite excited to see where you, t where, where you start pushing this re Esper reanimated deck going. Oh god. Yeah. Well, right. I guess there's nothing else. Yeah, we're missing our our anchor, Harry. Yeah, I know he really is the the rug that ties the room together. <laughs> and he can just talk for so long about Mono Green and Pioneer. You can just let him go. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever need a breather, <laughs> you can let him talk about Mono Green and Pioneer. But I hope he's back next week. And uh, if you've made it this far to hear us kind of complain that Harry isn't here, well, thank you. We love you. Um, Gab, where can we find you on social media? You can find me uh, battling Harry again on the the Card Market YouTube videos. They're honestly really good if you're looking for highly edited content. You should check it out. Carl, who who manages the channel and the editing and puts in all the work, basically, while we just sling some cards, uh, is amazing. So, yeah, check check out the Card Market uh, YouTube page. All right. Well, I'm going to plug the podcast is Twitter. So you can go find us at twitter.com slash, or I guess we're just at Midweek Metagame on Twitter. You should go there and give us a follow, and you should leave us an iTunes review because that's exactly what Harry would say. Definitely leave us <laughs> iTunes review. Um, you can't. You can find me working myself to the bone over the next few weeks because terms back on and I'm teaching again. So if I look very tired every time you see me for the next eight weeks, it's because yeah, I have things to tell. I have things to tell people who are younger than me, and hope them hope they pass their final exams. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Thanks very much for making this far. Yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Take care. Yeah.